It's the ERP Confab. I'm David Essex, industry editor at TechTarget's ERP website. Oracle showed its generative AI hand at the annual Cloud World Conference with a massive rollout of Gen AI and Fusion Cloud applications, Oracle Cloud infrastructure and databases. Salesforce and SAP also had major Gen AI announcements the same month. Is this a milestone in generative AI's transformation of ERP? I discussed the news with my colleague Brian McKenna, business applications editor at Computer Weekly, reporting on-site at Cloud World in Las Vegas. Brian, it's great to talk to you. You are right now, I think just off the show floor in Las Vegas at Oracle Cloud World, uh, having attended the conference for a few days. I have to ask before we get into some of the news, how well attended does it seem compared to last year's Vegas show and then even the uh, San Francisco open world shows? It felt a bit bigger than last year. It felt in general, felt a little bit more back to kind of 2016, 2018 timeframe norms, not just in terms of attendees, but in terms of the kind of business topics. So the big news, and I think probably what we mostly want to talk about is Oracle making their biggest announcement yet about how they plan to use and support generative AI. They announced some supporting platform stuff in the business intelligence cloud and in the autonomous database, but there were also quite a few interesting applications in customer experience, like in ERP and supply chain, many of which were covered by Steve Miranda in one of his keynotes. He mentioned something like 50 he did, new generative yeah. AI uh, capabilities across yeah. the suite. Uh, so your thoughts about that, Brian? I think you also spoke to uh, Steve uh, individually, yeah. as you do every year. I had my one-to-one -one interview with Steve Miranda, which I've been doing since 2019, sometimes once a quarter, sometimes just once a year. So yeah, I had, I had that meeting with him. Um, it's probably worth also mentioning the generative AI capabilities that they're putting into the healthcare side with the Cerner acquisition, you know, yeah. the development of what is now Oracle Cerner. There's been a parallel conference, which um, I mean, I didn't attend here in Las Vegas, which was the conference for Cerner, basically. But yeah, just coming back to Miranda, but also to Larry, because Larry Ellison made his keynote really about generative AI. Mm -hmm. And when you and I have spoke before about how Oracle has always been shy of naming its AI, unlike Salesforce Einstein, unlike Coleman, that's in for, isn't it? SAP Leonardo, which we never hear of now. Right. But uh, Oracle was always very kind of pragmatic about this is machine learning. It goes, runs across everything that, that Oracle does in terms of the database and in terms of the applications. I wouldn't have been surprised if Larry Ellison on the first day uh, his traditional keynote, if he had been a little bit sceptical. I mean, he did talk about Oracle's heritage in doing AI for many years now, but he really endorsed the revolutionary nature of generative AI. He says this is probably the biggest thing that's ever happened to computer technology. It's a Sputnik moment. Listeners of a certain age might remember Sputnik. I don't remember it. Too young. I read uh, it in the history books. I think I missed it by a few months or maybe a year. So he's, yeah, he was a tremendous enthusiast for it. I think he was a little bit under the weather. So yes. maybe not his usual high energy self, but it was an interesting keynote. It was packed. 
and it's centered around generative AI and how important that's going to be. So I then asked Steve Miranda about this. I said, look, you know, I was maybe, I wouldn't have been surprised by some skepticism. That didn't seem to be the case. It seemed to be the absolute opposite of that from Larry. So tell me why this, you know, generative AI is, you know, what you see as the enterprise use cases for it and um, what your plans are for it in terms of your fusion applications business that he, he spearheads globally. I think the the top line on that would be it's great for summarization. Mm-hmm. It's great for text and images and so on. But that's those are the kind of enterprise use cases that they're envisaging at the moment are around summarizing, doing kind of narrative summaries or of numbers mm-hmm. as well, almost like replacing traditional BI reporting. You would just ask a spreadsheet to give you an answer like you know what's the top selling product in europe in you know i'm kind of making this up and and the thing is that what steve was saying is it, it would know what europe meant so it would be aggregating from france and the netherlands and the uk and italy and so on it would it would know how to do that sort of thing and, and this is a real all of these things they think are going to make a difference to the business application side but also the application development side, feeding into their Apex low-code tool. They're not going to be doing new stuff in Java anymore. So yeah, they're really on board with the generative generative AI kind of hype. Steve Miranda, he did emphasize the reporting aspect, I noticed in his keynote. He said uh, generative AI can supplement that report. For example, if you're doing some kind of management reporting based on ERP data. A lot of the other capabilities that he mentioned that were in some of the press releases also seem to go uh, to, um, like we often hear about, heard about AI machine learning before generative AI became so popular. Also this idea of recommending things. And maybe that's the original analytics it's, that's the original analytics, and then the generative AI is kind of packaging it or speaking it back to you or writing it back to you in in a plain English format that's understandable. I think the key point to emphasize from what they, from what Miranda said to me, from what I picked up from Ellison, and from what we heard from other um, Oracle executives, for example, I've just come out of an EMEA session mm-hmm. with um, Cormac Waters and Richard Smith, the kind of top Oracle execs for for applications and technology in EMEA. And the the message is consistent. This is generative AI. It's not business as usual. It is new. Mm-hmm. And the use cases, I mean, they're envisaging some use cases, but really they're saying to the customers, you know, you come up with them. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's like the iPhone, Miranda was saying, you know, nobody knew uh, what was going to happen in terms of proliferation of of apps on a on a mobile phone once you've essentially got the internet in your hand, five G high speeds, you know all, all the kind of apps that have been developed on that. It's like that, you know. It's not something that oh we've got a checklist of. They do have a checklist because they've got these fifty features that they're planning to roll out over to two quarters. But but Miranda is very much of the view that we don't know yet. You know, the customers will figure some of this stuff out and it will be amazing. 
one thought that I had about this trend in general, and we're, we're starting to see it uh, from the other ERP vendors, and many of the application vendors in general, even if they don't have ERP is, well, so let's, let's stick with ERP though. You know, for quite a few years now, the vendors have been trying to put a layer of conversational, it's a term that they've used, conversational interface, a more natural user experience, kind of protecting users almost from the guts of the ERP system, which is where a lot of the problems with using the system. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 And so I feel like this is another major advance and like another, yet another layer on top of that for this more natural way of interacting. As part of that, just one one more quick observation. I've noticed, um, especially among analysts and consultants, to some degree, the vendors, they almost relegate traditional ERP, let's call it, or core ERP, especially the financial part, the record keeping. They talk about it as back office and simply a system of record, not a system of innovation or digital transformation, certainly. And a lot of the focus has been on things that are layered on top of or that run off of and only have the the basic older ERP as a foundation, uh, such as, let's say, customer experience, a lot of these AI tools. So it just, it, my main thought here is simply that this seems like it's another move, major move away from, in favor of making ERP more usable and more useful to the users. So I'm sure that's an underlying trend, but the novelty and the revolutionary nature of this is what they're trying to communicate. I know the Enterprise Strategy Group, which is the you know research and uh, analyst firm that we have within the Tech Target family, they've just released some path-breaking generative AI research looking at enterprise use cases that are already in development. And I mean, the, the amazing thing here really is a year ago, we never, we never heard of this. You know, it has come from pretty much nowhere to being a very top corporate IT strategic priority. Yeah. Um, that's borne out in our research and that seems to be borne out in, you know, the evangelism uh, that you're getting from, let's face it, I mean, Oracle's quite a sober, a sober uh, IT provider, isn't it? It's not, um, they're, uh, they're flying with this. They're not the only ones everyone else is too. And I don't know if you were able to ask Steve Miranda this, but one question I have is what kind of safeguards they might put around this AI, because infamously, I would say ChatGPT and some of its uh, cousins out there since last November have really come up with some elaborate BS, let's call it that, you know, answers that look credible and sound credible. But with a little digging, turn if you know anything about the topic, often turn out to be wildly off the mark. Uh, and I think it's going to get better as it gets better trained, especially maybe on narrower topics and not, you know, most of the Internet the way they often have been. Did that come up at all with your conversation with Steve Miranda? Yeah, I asked him precisely that question. And actually, Cormac Waters um uh, who was in the kind of wrap-up session that I mentioned as well? He said one of the customers said to him, "Well, what if it what if it's slightly wrong?" You know. Now, what Steve said about that was, um, "There's always going to be a kind of human human involved here, so you've got human checking, and they're they're not using customer data so far, 
uh, and they're not going to use personally identifiable data either. Mm -hmm. So they're going to avoid some bear traps anyway. But one point he made, which wouldn't have occurred to me, is, look, six months ago, this barely existed. And he said, I wouldn't be surprised if in six months' time there are no hallucinations mm. with this technology. Uh, and that, you know, there are a bunch of um, companies developing as well. Uh, Cohere, I know that Oracle has got some kind of arrangement with them. I don't know the detail of that. But, but that was the point he made is six months ago, it barely existed. Um, so who's to say that in six months' time the hallucination problem won't have been solved? He said, "I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, no guarantees. Can't see into the future, but the the pace of development of this is so extra, extraordinarily fast that um, those might. Or let's just say those probably will become non-issues. So mm-hmm. There's a high chance that that would be the case." In my thinking about this before we started talking today, I did a I came across some background material essentially talking about training the large language models on smaller data sets or almost like specific subjects or internal to a company. And I'm familiar with some companies that are starting to release uh, co-pilots. Many of just, you know, that's often the name. Um, it's the name that Salesforce has used. Microsoft also uses it. Generative AI co-pilots that instead of like ChatGPT having been trained on huge, uh, I, I guess, petabytes of uh, data on the internet will instead be trained on be the internal data of a company in which case yeah, constrained like, yeah yeah like yeah. it's constrained and you have a better chance it's going to be easier there'll probably still be some training and some human correction and customization which is something we've been hearing about but that it will be it will learn quicker or it will become more accurate faster if it's focusing for lack of a better word on a smaller on a narrower topic a more familiar topic perhaps Maybe maybe moving away from generative AI. So Miranda said at the very end of his keynote that he sees an inflection point with the development of the Fusion application suite, uh, software as a service suite that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked him a, a little bit about um, what he you know what he meant by that. You know what do you mean by an inflection point? And essentially, what he said was, it's the degree of maturity now. You know they've launched this thing. Good few years now, and now it's got as uh, fourteen thousand customers who are being updated every four, you know, every quarter, so four times a year. Uh, so that pool of users has reached a point where um, there are more kind of business value oriented activities, mm-hmm. uh, not not as kind of kind of limited as projects, but but just. You know, companies wanting to get more value out of their investment in the Oracle um, Fusion Applications suite. Mm-hmm. That's what he. That's what he meant by an inflection point. And I pushed that a little bit further with uh, Cormac Waters in terms of what that means for EMEA. And I think in in EMEA, there are more varied circumstances that, you know, some places will be very similar to North America, other parts of Europe, Middle East, and Africa will be less similar. 
to 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 North America. But that point about the you know kind of new phase in the development of of fusion, uh, I thought was interesting. I thought that was and very much oriented towards you know business value creation, mm-hmm. um, which is the thing that we mostly care about, isn't it, David? It is. Another thing that Miranda something that he saved as an announcement. The, the final one, I think of three major ones in this keynote, I, I have a, a strong sense that it could very much come into play with these fusion applications. He talked about the fusion data intelligence platform. I think that was an announcement where they added AI and ML yeah. to the existing reporting warehouse and that it's capable of recommend, recommending actions. And customers had told Oracle that the fusion apps were a large part of the ecosystem, but there were other data sources. So this fusion data intelligence platform, according to Steve Miranda, is able to incorporate third-party data and apply the same artificial intelligence, machine language, and presumably chat GPT features to it. So I suspect for some maybe larger com- companies, yeah, that will also be a major help in how they bring AI to their, their business processes. Yeah, but we've been talking about Miranda's keynote, and this is also true of Safra Katz's uh, mm-hmm. keynote. Is it was to be fair all about customers? Mm-hmm. You know, they they just had customer after customer after customer coming up on stage. Um, so who was on stage with uh, Steve Miranda? There was um, oh, Tatiana yeah. Tatiana uh, yeah, Simonan yeah. from. KPN in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. Craig Halterman from Kohu, Francis Chow from Providence, uh, uh, North American Healthcare. Healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then with Safra, there was um, uh, Lablos, uh, Aon, and, and he's, she started with Uber, with the CEO of Uber, uh, Dara Khosrow mm-hmm. Shahi. I think you, uh, you did a better job pronouncing his last name than I could have, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's very kind of you. But <laughs> what, something that uh, oh, so so what? One of the things that Miranda said was, "Look, it's like a marriage. Mm-hmm. These relationships, these are like twenty-year relationships. It's like a, it's like a marriage, and it reminded me of something that Julia White uh, over at SAP said mm-hmm. in a session I was in on at the European Sapphire, and she said that with um, with on-premise." You can be quite loosely coupled with the customer, but with cloud, it is like a marriage. It's interesting that they're both using both using that word and that concept, and it's related to you know, it's related to the software being delivered as a service over the cloud, basically. And it's almost um, contrary to me. It's almost counterintuitive. I would have thought that maybe the cloud were, was the marriage was the on-premises thing. And uh, was on premises, and the cloud was akin to maybe speed dating or uh, people living fast and loose lives with their partners. But apparently not. Apparently, uh... apparently no. It's a committed marriage out there. <laughs> committed marriage after committed marriage with these people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was it was interesting that they should both use the same. I suppose it it's is. a fairly it's a fairly obvious metaphor, to be fair. Yeah, but it jumped uh, out at me too. I it, it certainly jumped out at me the use of the word marriage um, more than once. I and think. And these and these are um, these are clearly also quite, you know, challenged relationships as well. Though these customers who are up on stage with with both of them are quite tough on Oracle. 
know, they're yeah. quite demanding mm-hmm. of them. It's because it really, it really matters, you know, mm-hmm. it matters to their jobs, it matters to their companies. It's really important that Oracle delivers what it says it's going to deliver. Right. It, there's a lot at stake in that marriage. And the suit, the, the suit tour has more to prove. Somewhat shifting gears here. Another thing that Larry Ellison does every, well, used to do it every open world and now cloud world, to a far lesser degree this time in his keynote, though, was to brag about, frankly, Oracle cloud infrastructure, things that are going on with uh, autonomous database, and really raving about and giving a prominent role to the other announcements, in, the, in this case, generative AI, to the underlying cloud, the, especially the Oracle cloud. And there were some announcements in that regard. I won't go into the details. I think I might provide links to some of them on the, the landing page. Yeah, um, and there was the Microsoft um, announcement just ahead of the conference about the Oracle database at Azure. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's uh, a very close relationship now with, with Microsoft and Oracle. Yes. Um, he was talking about some of the NVIDIA uh, AI yeah. technology. Um, and yeah. also kind of talking about OCI as being a superior platform. So he certainly touts the technical capabilities, which sound impressive, although I am uh, not, I'm less familiar with that part of the overall IT ecosystem than I am applications. But every every time I hear this, it, you might get a, others might get a skewed view of just how successful uh, Oracle has been. I found Gartner numbers. Now this is about infrastructure as a service, but this is really, yeah. this is this is really the, what we're talking about here because even in SaaS, Oracle was sort of sharing top third or fourth place with uh, with Microsoft and Adobe and and SAP. But in infrastructure as a service, Gartner for 2022 numbers had Amazon at 40% of market share. And I've seen other numbers that are closer to 50, but I, I think I trust this number. Microsoft market share, 21.5%. Next, Alibaba Group, 7.7. Then Google, 7.5. Next in line, Huawei at 4.4. And there is in the final position, right above the total, there is an O here, but it's not Oracle. It says others, others. Okay. 18.9%. <laughs> So I remember a couple of years ago, I saw other figures, and I can't remember where they were from. This is about two to three years ago. Oracle was ranked about 10th in the, let's call them hyperscaler market back then. I wouldn't be surprised if they've moved up a bit, but it's all relative in terms of actual market success of their of their platform. Yeah, but they've got their, they've got their database and they've yeah. got their applications and... Mm-hmm. The maturity of those things is pretty impressive. It is. Uh, so we we perhaps should be you know relatively kind, but there's no no doubt that AWS is and Azure and Google have been immensely discussed this before on the podcast. They've been immensely disruptive. Yes. Oh, that's another point that Miranda was making. Was you know we've had these years of COVID and post-COVID pandemic, and a lot of the conversations revolved around supply chain issues and. The greater salience of supply chain management, both with SAP and with Oracle, daddy daddy da. But Miranda's observation was, you know, if you if you step back, uh, where we are now is more similar to where we were in 2016 to 18, where all the conversation was around 
disruption from Uber and Amazon mm -hmm. and Netflix and, you know, that whole kind of litany of um, uh, technological disruptors. But it is different to then, but we're more, because of generative AI, we're more, more in that kind of space and, and therefore Oracle's customers are more more in that kind of space as well. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I think that I think that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. It's an intellectual say, construct, really. Thank you for taking me out of my negativity. I, I should point out in terms of Oracle, I, I, I really couldn't help re resist pointing that out in, in terms of the hyperscaler market. I have over the years, and, and, and I've said this in our podcast and written elsewhere, to my eyes, from what I can tell, Oracle has been better than any of the ERP vendors at putting practical applications of AI into their big suite, their big, rather successful software as a service suite of Oracle Fusion applications, HCM, ERP, you know, with practical things like, I remember there was one that was uh, using optical character recognition and matching uh, applying AI to that and matching invoice numbers and just making sure the right invoice uh, was was paired with the right purchase order, that kind of thing. That's something they also they have, have their they also have their heritage in the, in the database, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, and and data is is very very important. Almost it's almost a kind of banal cliche to say that, but mm -hmm. that's true. Bear in mind, David, that I've that I'm in total immersion mode here so i'm bathed in you know despite what i might like i'm bathed <laughs> in oracle oracle colors here which are much lighter than they used to be it's no longer the kind of macho red you know right. all everything around here is much more the, the earth um, tones the new design yeah i'm not the most fluid. macho person but red is my favorite color i didn't mind the red but i i'll admit it was kind of blaring it was a little maybe a little too much. And I do like the, it's really the earth tones, I would call them. Major redesign. I mean, if I'm, I'm holding up, uh, I'm holding up the old lanyard here, as you can see, these um, different Oracle colors. Uh-huh, yeah. It's got a kind of light, it's, def it's definitely got a lighter feel to it as a company, I would say. It does. Um, no, I'm- uh, And also we should not forget, okay, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm, trumpeting oracle here but they did make this massive acquisition of Cerner, so they have moved into something that's socially beneficial namely healthcare right yes. um and they've made a massive investment in that and that's a big part of what big part of what they're up to now they're infusing some uh, ai generative ai into the Cerner estate as well so yeah it's a big deal yeah. i i i but, and i think some many things are still kind of talked about not quite here although some things are here what what really comes across and i don't think this is faked for money making purposes is larry ellison's passion maybe it's the same reason i i people tend to get more passionate about healthcare <laughs> the older they get uh but he really I think this genuine, genuine yeah. enthusiasm. He really, and, he really, he really digs it. Yeah, yeah, and you can really see it's a, it's a case, it's an extreme case. Especially, I think health is on more people's minds more than ever, probably after COVID, where you can see, and and with our encounters with the healthcare system, you can see how having good database and good data sharing and integrating yeah. systems across the 
you know, UK, US governments, et cetera, national governments to state and local and that kind of thing, that that can have make a tremendous difference and save lives and also, you know, remove, hopefully remove some of the bureaucracy and some of the yeah. inefficiencies. Yeah. yeah, but we also, we also, David, need to remember the dystopian possibility there, mm. uh, Oracle, you know, and world domination of uh, all that health data and other forms of yeah. data as well. Yeah. To introduce maybe a corrective to maybe over foregrounding Oracle, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't invent generative AI. Right. And they're not the only enterprise software company that is harping on about this. And when I was in Vegas a few months ago for ServiceNow's event, there was a lot of generative AI discussion there. You can link maybe to one or two of my stories from, from that event. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was a big theme for them. And, again, a very big collaboration with NVIDIA, who seem to be ubiquitous these days. Uh, also, last week in San Francisco, you had Dreamforce, you know, you had Salesforce's event, and I I normally like to go to both, mm -hmm. uh, but because they were so close together, I you know I I didn't make it, which I'm a bit gutted about. But you know, Salesforce they they were releasing their Genie AI um, products, Einstein One. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to go into detail about what that is. People can have a look for themselves, and also uh, Einstein Copilot. Yes which again is a kind of conversational AI uh, yep. thing. And I'm sure both of those things would have the endorsement of Albert Einstein. Would they not? They, I think they would, perhaps. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I like the Einstein in the Oppenheimer movie more than I like the cartoon character that Salesforce uses. I'm, I'm going to have to think about that some more. But I did read up on this a little bit. I have never been to Dreamforce. I've attended virtually a bit. Just a couple more things that I, I read up on about Einstein. One is that they are claiming that this brings Copilot, again, the name that's been used by other some other vendors, their generative AI assistant into supposedly all Salesforce applications, but those are primarily applications for sales, service, marketing, and commerce. And one thing I read, including in TechTarget's own news story about Copilot Studio that hit me is that it's a way to customize Copilot by fine-tuning the prompts, which we have learned are quite key to making generative AI useful and I think accurate and relevant. The customization seems to be a type of training and maybe not literally training, but it does seem a way to make a tool that end users can use to make the co-pilot generative AI more accurate and useful in their particular job. Part of the Einstein One announcements included the Einstein trust layer, according to Salesforce, which they said would protect sensitive data while letting companies use their trusted data to improve generative AI responses. That sounds to me like Again, they're talking about ways to apply Einstein and generative AI to the data within a company. But to do that, you have to somehow allow or create trust mechanisms so that people are willing to have their data be exposed to the AI. The trend is obviously going on, going at full strength with the enterprise applications vendors. And we were told a couple of days ago that this coming Tuesday, so too late to include in the podcast, but something we can I can include in the landing page for the podcast next uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, is that SAP is announcing something 
AI related. Uh, I would be surprised if it isn't a bunch of generative AI announcements. Uh, they were described as SAP building on its commitment to AI with news that will transform the way its enterprise users work. So that's something that we're hoping to get more details on, and they'll be uh, announcing with some senior executives this coming Tuesday, the 26th. Uh, so more to come from another another yeah. major vendor. And they've yeah. got a big her heritage mm -hmm. uh, in artificial intelligence as well. I mean, we might choose to poke fun at them for Leonardo or whatever, but... <laughs> You know, there's been a lot, a ton of research and development by SAP and artificial intelligence. Yeah, 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 I've seen seen some of seen some of that at the European edition of Sapphire as well. It's interesting. I mean, I I've spoken to a number of executives now from ServiceNow, SAP, Oracle, Salesforce, and quite often it will be like I don't know if you have this word in American English, boffins, kind of very scientific geek geeky kind of guys and, and girls who, yeah, who kind of, it was used a lot during the Second World War around the invention of radar and the Enigma, breaking the Enigma machine coding and things like that. But it's like these, um, you know, these boffins who've been slaving away on artificial intelligence are now, it's their moment, right? I mean, the, these guys are in clover. It really is. What's that phrase again? What's that term? Uh, boffin. Huh. Is that not a U.S.? No, have we, dis have we discovered that. a great difference between our linguistic? We're uh, separated by a common language. Yeah, yes. com separated by a common language. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think it as a word. I mean, I wouldn't swear to this, but I think it evolved around the Second World War. But, That's uh, something I'm going to have to Google later. Anyway, we, oh, we have gone, gone completely off piece here, which is uh, <laughs> entirely my entirely my fault. Um, That's okay. But what I was going to say was, I've so I've, I've spoken to a number of executives at all these companies now who have an AI specialization. And one of the things that a few of them said is it's the children. Mm -hmm. So it's the children of CIOs and CEOs and senior mm -hmm. business business executives who've been coming home from school saying, you've got to check this out. This is amazing. And Interesting. When, I, when I put that observation to Steve Miranda, he said, yeah, he said, sometimes, sometimes it's better when you don't know too much or... Mm -hmm. You know, that, yeah. that kind of naivete, which can actually lead to creativity and mm -hmm. um, and so on. I think that's, I thought that was an interesting observation. We'll see if anyone can bring their childlike or develop in later in life childlike innocence to the use. Yeah. Of what was it? Steve Jobs used to talk about fresh eyes. Yeah. It's a term I use for when I uh, want to do a self-edit. I need to sleep on it and look at my article the second, the following day. It's almost impossible to see it with clear eyes when you've been wrapped up in it. Um, Brian, any final thoughts about uh, especially Oracle Cloud World um, and what you've seen and um, where we stand uh, in terms of their evolution? Big it's question. impressive. It's impressive. And I suppose the fact that you know, Ellison and his company have so much credibility uh, in the enterprise. Um, so if they're, you know, if they're getting on board with the generative AI uh, revolution, then maybe as um, cynical old journalists should pay mm -hmm. a decent amount of attention to to mm -hmm. that. It makes it more believable, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, one of my analyst colleagues uh, from Enterprise Strategy Group, that's exactly what he said. 
our colleague Steve Catanzano from Enterprise Strategy Group, he was at Oracle Cloud World as well. I, I met up with him, and that was the, yeah, that was the way he expressed that it. it just makes makes um makes this stuff more believable that it's coming from coming from Ellison and Oracle. Yeah, it does. Well, Brian, it's always great to talk to you. I wish I could have been there in Las Vegas. Yeah, I so wish we could we could be doing these things in, in person again like like we used to. 